Oh, welcome to church. Um, we're in the middle of a, um, we're in the middle of a series called Acts. It's a really clever name. It's based on a book of the Bible called Acts, which is essentially the gospel sequel. Like it is the gospel extended to okay, Jesus lived. We talked all about him in the Gospel of John. The Gospel of Luke is written by Luke, and he kind of captured the whole story of Jesus. Jesus dies. Jesus comes back to life, which is really good news for all of us. And I'm not talking about just what the Bible says. I'm talking about if you work through the first century historical books, like you're talking about the works of Josephus, others, as, as you work through them, you, you find that Jesus was real. Like he was a real man. He lived for sure. That's not like that's not questioned by anyone. Jesus was a real man. Jesus was crucified. All of us, all of us get that Christian, non-Christian. Jesus was put into a tomb and somehow the tomb ended up empty. All that's captured by history. And so John captures that story. Jesus dies. Jesus comes back to life. And that's where the book of Acts begins. And Acts chapter one begins with Jesus hanging out with his 11 disciples. Whether he had 12, one of them betrayed him and then kind of gave, took his own life. And he had 11 left. And Jesus spends 40 days in the beginning of the book of Acts, kind of telling them some pretty important things. In fact, in Acts chapter one, verse four, it says this, it says that Jesus says to his disciples, he says, no, stay where you are until you receive the Holy spirit. And then he just says in Acts one, eight, he says this, he says, and then you will be my witnesses with the Holy spirit through Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the outermost parts of the earth. That's what, that's what he says. And so We've basically been reading from Acts 1 through Acts 7 of the story of what's been going on in just Jerusalem, okay? They started with 11, got 12, went to 120, went to a couple thousand, went to 5,000, and now this city is just exploding with people who are following Jesus. So the first seven chapters, that's what we see. A lot of people who are like, hey, I didn't know the whole story, but I want to follow Jesus. And they're seeing some incredible things. People trusting Jesus with their lives, moving forward and saying, Jesus, we'll do whatever you call us to do. And they get this Holy Spirit who literally gives them the power to, to raise dead people to life or blind people and help them see or lame people walk. And that's what you're seeing in the first seven chapters of the book of Acts. In fact, last week, what we covered was the story of Stephen. And what, what let me just catch you up if you weren't here, let me just remind you, there's really just one, one principle I wanted you to understand last week, and it's this. It's really easy to die for something, right? I can die for my kids. My kid can play in the road. A car can come. I can run. I can jump out. I can shove the kid out of the way, and my kid, my child, and I can get smashed by a car, and people are like, wow, what a great daddy, but I'm dead, and my kid's living, right? That's, that's a lot easier than every day waking up and deciding to do the right thing, to go to work, to care for my kid, to pay the bills, to, to be a man of integrity that even when it's dark, still at living like I would be in the light, right? That's a lot harder than jumping into a car in a brief moment of, of courage, right? Courage isn't something you need like a, a large amount of. In fact, like for example, let's say I want to jump out of a plane. I only need courage for about three seconds, right? Three seconds, that's what I need for courage. After those three seconds, courage really just doesn't matter anymore. So to die for a cause just takes a brief moment of courage. And what we kind of walked through last week is while Stephen died for a cause, what really was pretty spectacular for Stephen is he lived for one. And what I really has been the prayer for you guys and for me is, God, what would it be that we could do that we would just we would be so excited about your agenda that we could live fully alive, always chasing after it. Because if you're, if you're a non-Christian, you actually can appreciate this. Because what you see, and it's fair that you see this, is just a bunch of hypocrites, right? A bunch of people who say they really love Jesus, but then at the same time, cheat on their taxes, cheat on their spouse, lie about silly things, you know, fudge their resume a little bit. So you're like, yeah, I, I get that. I mean, we all kind of have this nasty, dark side of us. And, and the real question is, man, what would it take for all of us? What would it take for us actually to, to find something that's just worth always doing the right thing? Right? I, I, we shared a couple of weeks ago that the process of sanctification typically involves two things. What I mean by sanctification is as followers of Jesus, where you are now is not where you'll always be. God is daily taking us from where we are to where he'd have us be, right? And that process is every day we become a little more like him. And two characteristics that are definitely happening over that process is one is what feels right or what, what is right eventually feels right. 
what is right eventually feels right. Let me explain this way. You know, right now, there's a lot of times I want to do something like couple nights ago I had, which is terrible, right? I mean, it's terrible. And this is, I'm actually confessing like one of the, the easier things to confess. There's a lot more I could confess that I'm just not ready to from the stage. But this is an easy one. This is kind of a playful one, but it's still an issue. I ate a whole tub of Ben and Jerry's ice cream. <laughs> How dare you judge me? Oh, whatever. You've done it too. You've done it too. All of, oh my goodness. That's terrible. Uh, yeah, that, you're the reason people don't want to come to church right there. You hear that? Judging the pastor. Um, but anyway, I ate this whole thing. And I was, afterwards, I just was sick to my stomach. And I was like, I have no idea why I did it. And here's the really, really crazy part. I was laying in bed while I was eating it. And I was watching TV. And I think what I was watching was elite, like PG or PG-13. So I wasn't a big animal. I'm going to eat ice cream and watch an R-rated movie. <laughs> you know, I wasn't that, I wasn't that crazy. Um, and so I was watching it. But the worst part of the deal was I kept eating it faster. Not because I even liked it, but I was ready to be done with it. So I'm laying there. I'm like, I'm just ready. I don't feel like getting up and going back to the kitchen and throwing it away and watching it melt on the nightstand. So I'm just like, I'm just going to clobber the whole thing. So I just ate it all right. And then afterwards, I just felt sick to my stomach, right? I don't know why I did it other than I felt like it in that moment. But as you chase after Jesus, as you continue to do the right thing, it eventually also feels right. I explained that to you a couple weeks ago about like a, an, a couple that's been married 80 years. That no longer is it not just about the guys saying, the guy saying, I don't want to look at other women. I just want to be completely committed to my spouse. What once he did, he did because it was right now, feels right. Some of you give very generously to this church. In the beginning, I was like, oh man, God, I'm not sure it's going to come through for us. And it didn't necessarily feel right, but you knew it was right. But eventually now you're also excited about the opportunity to be generous. So on one part, it's what feels right eventually, or what is right actually feels right. The other side is um, one of the things that happens for us is our grip on things loosens and our grip on relationships Strengthens. In other words, man, no longer do I care about a new car. I care about my friends and the relationships I'm in. A lot of you are, are in that process of saying, you know what? Like the next new house and the next shirt isn't going to make me feel any better. But I know that I should commit and be committed to relationships. As, as a Christian, when those are the two things you notice and you see it through the book of Acts where Stephen's like, you know, like... It actually, like as he's dying and there's stones coming at him at Acts 7, he looks up and he sees the glory of God and he even says, God, forgive these people. In other words, man, not only does this, is this right to continue to honor you, but it feels right, even to the point of death. And God, I don't really care about things anymore, but these people, even though they're mean and angry, they still matter to me. And so you see a guy that's just fully alive until the death. And it's like, ah, that's... That'd be nice. Wouldn't it? That'd be nice that there is nothing someone could steal from you because the worst thing they could do is go ahead and send you into heaven. Like that's it. The Bible says to live as Christ, to die as gain. You mean the worst thing you could do for me is kill me and then I'm just hanging out with Jesus? Like that's it? I mean, wouldn't it be nice to actually walk and believe those things? But most days, we don't. In fact, most days, we, we live in the t- tension of how do we pay our bills? How do we make sure our family stays intact? How do we uh, get past this class or get through this week or get past this college education? I know some of you are, are, are just graduating this weekend, which I'll just be honest with you, it stinks. I'm really sad that you all to graduate. And I actually prayed for most of you to fail so you'd have at least one more year of school. And I'm not even kidding there. You're like, ha nope, not at all, really. And like, dear Jesus, at least one more semester. Just get them through 2013 with us. But... But that's the journey. Is we're like, how do we get through this deal? And I was like, man, isn't there something greater than that? And, you know, Jesus prays this prayer that he says is the model prayer that we should. And most of us know it because you prayed it before a ball game and thought you were going to win because of it, right? You know what I'm talking about? Right? Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. I think that's how it goes, right? Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And that's the prayer, right? Like we've prayed it. We've said it so many times. We've asked God to not lead us into temptation, to forgive us of our trespasses. But we literally say this statement over and over again. We kind of just bypass it. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. You see, there's this picture for us that God actually leads us to a plan. And he has one agenda. God has one agenda. Only had one agenda. His agenda through us, it's for us that he, the, Jesus says the Son of Man came to seek and save that which was lost, right? I mean, that's his, that's his plan, that's his agenda. The way that he goes about doing that is by bringing his kingdom of heaven to earth. That's Jesus' prayer, right? And so the cause that we all should be in the middle of, 
And as a non-Christian, you're like, this is a little weird, but I appreciate it because finally someone is saying, okay, quit talking the talk, quit wearing the nice clothes and faking everything and actually, oh, wow, get involved in this deal. And there's one agenda to bring the kingdom of heaven to earth. That's it. And there's this principle that I hope you learned today. And this is it. This is, this is the nugget. Um, it's actually a short message, not because we're going to get out earlier, but because I want to I give you some tangible steps to how we do this. Um, but here's, here's the principle. Okay? Here it is. When our faith, meaning our obedience, our faith is not just some belief. Faith is an action. Uh, anything that you have faith in, you actually act upon. Like you don't just have a belief in your head. Faith is an action. When our faith, which is an action... And God's faithfulness collide. Here's the principle. When our faith, meaning we step forward and say, God, I will do that. And God's faithfulness, which means God always is God. He's always in charge. He's always for himself. He's always for making his glory known. He's always for raising dead people to life. He's always for drawing people to himself. That God, right? When our faith collides with God's faithfulness, supernatural things always happen. When our faith collides with God's faithfulness, supernatural things Always happen. There's a story in First uh, Kings chapter two with a guy named Elisha, not Elijah, but Elisha, and he's a man of God. And there's this widow that comes to talk to Elisha, okay? And she's like, "Hey, Elisha, you're supposed to be a man of God, and God's pe- God fights for His people." And Elisha, I'm a widow. My husband's dead, okay? And I have these two as these two sons. We have uh, no money. We have nothing. And Elisha, I literally don't know how I'm going to get through the night. And Elisha asked her a real important question. Well, what do you have now? That's what he asked. Not, hey, well, you pray this prayer. Hey, can I help you with your resume? Hey, I know this person who has this job. And let me work on that. He just says one thing. What do you have? And she says, I have this, this one jar of, of like oil. And he said, go get that and bring it to me. So she gets it and he says, here's what I want you to do. I want you to send your sons. And I want you to collect every empty vessel or empty jar in the whole community. Go house to house to house to house. I want you to get all these vessels, anything you can find. I want you to come and I want you to bring them back. So they went and they collected all these, all these, all these jars. You can look this up. I'm not making this up. The second Kings chapter four. And so they collect all these things, all these things and bring them back and they sit them on the table or however that works. And Elisha prays and then he takes the oil, the one little thing of oil that the lady has, the widow, and he starts to pour and he fills up one jar, sits it to the side fills up another jar, sits it to a side, fills up another jar, sits it to the side. I'm telling you, like super David Copperfield stuff here. <laughs> sits it to the side. Maybe, I don't know, 50, 100, 1,000. Lots and lots and lots of jars, right? Fill up, fill up, fill up. I don't know. And then it says this in scripture. It says, and when they ran, when, when the jars stopped coming, the oil stopped flowing. In other words, however much faith they had, they brought to them to fill it up there is just enough of God's supernatural power to fill it up. So when their faith ran out, or when they ran out of things to fill, the oil stopped flowing. And for us, there's just this picture of, okay, let's say you're a follower of Jesus. Some of you have prayed that prayer, right? Dear Jesus, come into my heart. I'm a sinner. I admit it. Help me live a better life. Give me superpowers. I don't want to be a unicorn, but something with a cape. You know, whatever, however, however. <laughs> that, that, is that not the prayer you prayed? Oh, uh-huh, that's why your life's hard. Should have prayed to be a unicorn. <laughs> but you know, you've prayed the prayer, right? You've asked Jesus into your heart, and you've heard it from this stage that the Bible says that um, God is faithful and just. Uh, it says that um, if we confess with our mouth and believe in our heart, God will forgive us our sins. Whoever calls upon the name of the Lord is saved. The wages of our sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. You've heard them all, right? And you're like, Jesus, I want that. I want more of you. You've prayed the prayer, and you kind of opened your eyes and thought, okay, good, fresh start. And you went home, and your parents like, still, same kid. Spouse like, nope, same guy. You get in the dark and, you, and nobody else is looking and you open your computer and you're like, ah, oh, man. And then you clear the history and you're like, hopefully nobody finds out about what I just looked at. Or you go and drink that bottle and then hide it or whatever it is. You, you walk through the journey and you're like, oh, man, like, is that it? Like, I prayed this prayer. I thought it was all supposed to be fixed and you feel more icky afterwards. You know, you're like, well, now I just know I'm a sinner and I feel more guilty about it because I upset the God of the universe and you feel this, this tension, right? And you just keep thinking, is there, a, is, there a, is there a resolve to it? Is there a resolve? There's some way to get from being this icky, messy person and getting to the place that God wants you to be. And there is. 
And I hope today that we find it in Acts chapter 8. And I'm going to set it up and explain a couple of things to you. But one thing I just want, want hope that you understand here. Let's, let, let's, let's explain this way. I'll explain this way. Um, I, was a, I was a pastor's kid. I was. Um, but my dad's still alive. He's not passionate more because he's retired. Um, so maybe I'm not sure all that works. But, you know, so I knew all the right things to do and say. I just wasn't near as good at actually doing them right at all. And um, one of the big issues for me, specifically like in middle school, this, sounds, this might sound crazy to you, just completely honest, is, um, is that uh, late at night, we, for some reason we had premium channels. You know what I'm talking about? Cinemax, HBO, Showtime. Yeah, you see where this is going, right? And I can remember going and flipping through channels and looking at stuff that I shouldn't have, for sure. Like I, I was confident of that. I'm sure my parents would have been confident of that too. In fact, no, I know they were confident that I shouldn't. I remember them sharing that with me. Um, <laughs> for sure, mom sits down and talks to me. That's an awkward conversation. Yeah, thanks, mom. Sorry. I, no, I had no idea what it was. No clue. Let's, no, 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 trust me. I, no clue. No clue. Nope, nope, nope. I'm going to go watch Care Bears now. Josh, you're 15. You don't watch Care Bears anymore. I'm going to, mom, you know. So I'm going to do it. I promise. Just Care Bears. Um, but I remember just like flipping through channels and watching it. And I remember thinking, oh, that's, I felt so dirty. And then I'd cut off the TV and I'd just sit there, right? And I'd just sit there trying not to do it anymore, right? Like, have you any of you tried that? And you're like, oh, I'm not going to. Like, you just have this super willpower. I'll pray. I'll do my Hail Marys or whatever. I didn't do Hail Marys because I didn't grow up in like Catholicism, but some of you did. And that deal. And so you pray and you think, oh, man, I got to do something. And you just sit there and like you just boil and you're stewing. Like, I got to stop this. Well, what I, what I discovered is that didn't help me very much. You know what did help? Was remembering what channel Sports Center was on. Right? And thinking, oh, I'll just go to Channel 7 and watch Sports Center. You know, it wasn't that I could just empty my brain and say nothing, like, oh, God, just sit here and empty this. What I knew is I couldn't just stop something. I had to replace it with something. And Sports Center was just the better solution for me there, right? And so for a lot of us, we're like, man, we feel this tension. We understand that there's something better than this. I want to have a cause for it worth living for. I want all those things. But I'm not sure exactly how to get there. Well, the, the solution isn't just pray harder and do more willpower. The solution is actually replacing what's empty in your life with something that's worthwhile, right? Replacing what's not good, what's negative, with something that is good. And we find this story today, and uh, a guy named Philip. And, and Philip is a guy that we're going to f- discover in Acts chapter 8. Really cool story. But before we get there, I just want to show you the, the very first part of Philip. And uh, our first picture of Philip, we've talked about before. It's in uh, John chapter 1, and I'm, it's going to be verse 43. Let me just read this to you if I can find it. Here it is. John chapter 1. This is Philip. This is the first time we get a scene of Philip. He's one of the apostles. He's one of the, act, the guys that are the acts of the apostles. Philip is, a, is written about in Acts. But this is the first interaction that Jesus has with this guy who's doing nothing with his life at this point. Just kind of, you know, doing whatever, going with the flow, hoping he makes it through the night, hoping that he arrives safely at death, whatever it is. He's just going every day kind of with ambitionless, purposeless, whatever it is. And this is the picture. The next day, Jesus decided to go to Galilee. Now, understand, this is Jesus. This is the beginning of his ministry. This is about three years prior to what we're going to read in Acts. And so Jesus is beginning to recruit these these 12 people who are going to change the world, that Jesus is going to send with his mission and his message. And so this is in. So he found Philip, and he said to him, follow me. That was the invitation. Only invitation you ever find in the Bible. Not to bow your head and pray. The only invitation that Jesus says is to follow me. So he invites Philip on that journey. Now, Philip was from Bethsaida. The city of Andrew and Peter. So that those are other disciples. So he's the third one. Philip found Nathaniel and said to him, We have found him of whom Moses and the law and also the prophets wrote. Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. They basically they're saying, hey, look, you know how the old Old Testament, which it wasn't, that was their, their scriptures at the time. They didn't call it the Old Testament. Hey, you know how like Moses and Abraham and Joseph and Jacob, you know that they all talked about, you know, Daniel, you know, Isaiah, you know, they all talked about this guy who was going to come and he was going to be the, the Messiah. In other words, we were saying, Hosanna, Jesus, our Messiah, save us. He's here. Did you know that? He's here. And so Philip starts recruiting. He says, it's Nathaniel. And watch Nathaniel's response. Nathaniel said to him, can anything good come out of Nazareth? In other words, I hear Nazareth is filled with rednecks. That's all that's there, rednecks. I've watched a show called Duck Dynasty, and yeah, all I imagine is a bunch of people with beards. Beards, just a bunch of rednecks. Can anything good come out of, other than frog legs, come out of Nazareth? Is what he's asking, right? This is Philip's response. Philip is a brand new believer. He's not qualified. He doesn't understand the scriptures real well. He hadn't gone through discipleship 101, Jesus 102, or whatever class is. He didn't have any of those things to offer, right? And so this is all he says. Look at this response. Philip said to him, come and see. 
In other words, I'm not going to engage in some debate with you. I'm not going to explain to you how the world is actually round and not flat. I'm not going to get into some scientific apologetic with you. Here, I'm telling you Jesus is good. Just come and see. And this is what happens. Jesus saw Nathanael coming toward him and said to him, Behold, an Israelite indeed, in whom there is no deceit. Nathanael said to him, How do you know me? Jesus answered him, Before Philip called you when you were under the fig tree, I saw you. Nathanael answered him, Rabbi, you are the Son of God. You knew I was there underneath the fig tree. You must have superpowers. You must be God. He calls him Rabbi and says, You are the Son of God. This is what Jesus says. You are the King of Israel. Jesus answered him, Because I said to you, I saw you under a fig tree, do you believe? You will see greater things than these. And he said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, you will see heaven opened and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. So what he's saying is, hey, look, what's going to happen is in Acts chapter one, in about three years, you're going to see this moment. Like you're going to see even greater things where God calls me because of just this moment, because Philip just said, come and see. Right, for some of you, you've just prayed this prayer. You're like, hey, I want to be a part of, I, I believe that God's real and I want to live a life worthy of, of his calling on me and I, I don't know what to do. Well, it's really just this simple. For some of you, the beginning stage is this. Come and see. You're like, no, I can't because what if they ask me about why do bad things happen to good people? Why? What if they ask me, you know, well, uh, you know well, how, they, how all those things happen and why is there four books about Jesus and I hear they're contradictory. What if they bring up those things and I don't have the answers or whatever it is? Simple. Well, just come and see. I'm not going to convince you of anything. I'm not going to pull anything out of my sleeve. I'm not going to do anything. Just, just come and see. There's no way. You're telling me there was a God who stepped out of heaven onto earth and became a man. That just seemed nuts. Okay, okay, okay. Come and see. For some of you, that's the beginning, right? What do I do now that I've prayed some prayer? What do I do now that I've jumped into saying I want to follow you, Jesus? How do I get into the middle of the kingdom? It's that simple. Come and see. And that's the story of Philip. Philip begins with a come and see, and he starts following Jesus for several years. Um, now, uh, we get to Acts chapter 8. A lot of crazy things have happened. Let me just make one other quick point before I point you to what is happening in Acts chapter 8, verse 26. Here's what's happening. Stephen died, and that's, you would think, was a really bad thing, right? They just killed someone who was so proud of Jesus. You know, they had moved, like Philip and the just gather with us. And they'd start gathering and started to scatter, you know, all across Jerusalem. And they started proclaiming this good news and Stephen dies. And something bad happens when Stephen dies. That the, the, the disciples, these five, six, ten thousand people now get a little freaked out. And they start to run. I mean, you can imagine it like this. Um, Briggs, uh, we have a little farm. Briggs loves the farm. And one of our favorite things to do um, is take anthills and scoop them up and throw them in the chicken pen because chickens like ants. And so that's fun. But um, we had some, some friends over Friday night and they have two, two boys a year older and Briggs's age or two years older and Briggs's age, something like that. And we're all outside. And I don't know what it is about kids, but boys love anthills. I mean, like crazy. They just like went all over the yard looking for anthills and they just would stomp in them. Like with this power and this like, ha, ha, ha. You know, you know what happens when you stomp an anthill, right? Ants just scatter everywhere. In fact, Drew upstairs is teaching this part of the story to, to your children. He actually was Saul because Saul becomes Paul in the first part of eight. And he's like, hey, I'm Saul. I'm going to stomp on an anthill. And he stomps on it. His foot talks. It's crazy. Um, and the, the ants start scattering. And you would, like for the ants, that seems like really, really messy. Like, oh, goodness, they're going to start a new home and all those things. And you think, oh, that's kind of what happened to Christians. They get stomped on. They run all over the place. They're freaked out. But at this point, everything's just in Jerusalem. And in this moment, as Paul or Saul comes in the scene as like the biggest Christian persecutor in the world. And Dane's going to explain more about Saul next week to you. But the biggest Christian, like all he wanted to do is kill people who were chasing after Jesus. Saul comes in and people just scatter. But it's in the middle of that scattering that you see people, what it says in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, you'll be my witnesses in Judea, Samaria, and the outermost parts of the earth. What you're seeing is people start heading different directions. It's in this moment that looks like a really messy deal, that God is still faithful, and that Philip ends up going to Samaria with a few people. So this is how Philip scatters. Philip, the same guy in John chapter 1, is now found in Acts chapter 8, verse 26. And I just want you to read, want to read you the story of Philip real quick. Here's what it says. Acts chapter 8, this will begin with verse 26. Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, rise and go toward the south to the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is a, a, a desert place. And he rose and went, and there was an Ethiopian, a eunuch, an Ethiopian, a eunuch, a court official to Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who was in charge of all of her treasure. He had come to Jerusalem to worship and was returning, seated in his chariot, and he was reading 
to uh, the prophet Isaiah. So here's what you have. You have a eunuch, um, which is a, an interesting deal, and I don't have a lot of time to cover it because there's other important things. But basically, uh, he was a, he's a man whose whole life was devoted to serving the queen. Um, in fact, they castrated him so that he would be weaker at it when he was younger, so that he wouldn't ever have any sexual temptation towards the queen. And so Phil, this guy, this eunuch, his only purpose was to be kind of the, um, the bookkeeper for the queen. That's all he did, bookkeeper for the queen. And so he's trying to figure out life, trying to figure out what's worthwhile. So is anything more worthwhile than just chasing after the queen, that kind of, or just those kind of things. And he finds himself sitting down and he's reading the book of Isaiah. He actually finds himself in Isaiah 53, which is where it talks about Jesus being the one who's, by his stripes we are healed. That, that scripture, he was pierced for our transgressions, bruised for our iniquities. That's what he's reading. He's there thinking, is there something more than just being the queen's servant? Again, pretty good job. You know, he's not worried about food. He gets food. He gets all those things. But that's all he is, a queen's servant. He's trying to figure it out. And so Philip, walking down, happened to be Samaria, running away from Jerusalem. He ends up there. And in this moment, this is what happens. And the spirit said to Philip, go over and join this chariot. So Philip ran to him, heard him reading Isaiah the prophet and asked, do you understand what you're reading? So Philip, again, three years ago, no education, no deal, just says, come and see. Nails in a point where he walks up and says, hey God, I think, what are you reading? Isaiah 53. What? Do you, do, you, do you understand what's going on here? And this is his response. How can I unless someone guides me? And he invited Philip to come and sit with him. Now the passage of the scripture that he was reading was this. Like a sheep, he was led to the slaughter and like a lamb before its shearer is silent. So he opens not his mouth. This is talking about Jesus. In his humiliation, justice was denied with him. Who can describe this generation? For his life is taking away, taken away from the earth. And the eunuch said to Philip, about whom, I ask you, does the prophet say this? About himself or someone else? In other words, Philip, I'm, I'm reading this and I, I'm clueless. Can you tell me what this is about? Man, my life is messy, Philip. Is this, like, if this is supposed to be some guide, am I supposed to be some lamb? I mean, explain this to me because I'm hearing that this, this is where it points to, like, purpose. I don't understand what it is. Philip, can you explain it? Then Philip opened his mouth, and beginning with the scriptures, he told the good news about Jesus. And as they were going along the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, See, here's water, what prevents me from being baptized. And he commanded the chariot to stop. And they both went down to water, Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized them. Verse 39. And when they came out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord carried Philip away, and the eunuch saw him no more, and went on his um, way rejoicing. I'm going to say, uh, we were reading through this this week, and Drew was working on material upstairs, and Paul and I were talking about it for down here, and some other people having some conversation about what does that look like for the service. And he's like, hey, explain this to me. And like, Philip goes in the water, and he comes back, and there's like, does Philip get wings here? I mean, the eunuch goes in the water, and he comes up, and he's like, oh, Philip. And the Spirit's saying, no, I'm taking him away. You know, like, some kind of weird, like, like the Wizard of Oz deal or whatever. You know, there's this tornado and all of a sudden Philip was like, I'm not in Kansas. I don't know what this is. There's just a bunch of little people, you know, or whatever that looks like in that deal. And so I'm, I don't think that's exactly what's going down here. It's just basically saying, okay, here's what happens. The eunuch says, I'm chasing after Jesus. And Philip doesn't say, hey, I'm going to hold your hand. Me and you are going to walk through step by step with the rest of the gospel. And I'm going to be with you every step of the way. I'm going to spoon feed you this deal. I'm going to feed you and feed you. I'm going to be your disciple or you're going to be my, I'm going to be your mentor. You'll be my mentee. No, that's not what happens. Jesus is pointed to by Philip. Philip points to Jesus and then he baptized him and then it says the spirit sent Philip to continue to do other things and the eunuch's there saying oh wow he's gone but that's okay I have Jesus that's okay I have some understanding that's okay I can invite other people to come and see me on this is what it says last and he said to him truly oh, I'm sorry I'm, uh, uh, and he said to them this but Philip found himself at Azutotus as he passed through he preached that's not exactly how you say that he passed through he preached the gospel to all the towns until he came to Caesarea. Okay. What does this mean? Here we go. Let me, let me guide you a little bit. Jesus is in the process always of taking us from where we are to God to have us be. I explained to you sanctification, right? Well, what is right eventually feels right. Um, and then my, I loosen my grip on things, strengthen my bond towards people. So Jesus is in that process. In the beginning, it's this simple. There's no expectation that you have it all figured out. You don't have to have all the answers. In fact, the best answer you, do, you need is this. 
I don't know, but Jesus does. I don't know, but Jesus does. Why do kids get leukemia? I have no idea. I still don't. I've been a pastor for a while. Chase, I don't know, but Jesus does. And I do know this. I know that the whole point of this whole deal, pain, sorrow, hope, peace, joy, suffering, they all have the same point, and the point is always Jesus. So in the beginning, what does that look like for you? It's just simple. Look, I'm, I, I'm not going to debate. I, I, have no, I have no argument for you. I just want you to come and see. Because my life was different, and then I saw Jesus, and everything changed, right? For some of you, it's that simple. Look, I don't know what to do next. You might be able to come and see. But there comes a point for all of you. And I guess it's for a lot of you in this room. It's no longer about inviting someone to come and see. Hey, come to church. Just come gather with us. See Jesus. Just come and see, right? There comes a point where gathering is no longer just your calling anymore. At some point, you're no longer called just to come and see, but you're called to go and do. We see the journey of Philip. Three years in the deal. I don't know what the timeline looks like. But there comes a point where you no longer just come and see, but you go and do. You no longer just gather like a bee coming to get the pollen, right? You've got to scatter, right? A bee coming to get the stuff, that collects the pollen and scatter. Right? There comes a point where you're no longer just come and see, but you go and do. That's the point. And so instead of us going through another emotional deal where I talk to you about why, um, why we should do something about sex trafficking and slavery and abuse, I just want to tell you that Jesus is with you and Jesus has every intention of bringing the kingdom of heaven to earth and he plans on doing it through you. I was just having a conversation earlier because um, I'm going to bring some people up in just a second um, because I want you to hear about what we got going on in Haiti because some of you are supposed to go and do that. Some of you are supposed to go, get in the middle of what we have going on in Haiti, starting churches, starting schools, feeding kids, planting shrubs, whatever it is. I don't know, planting plants where they produce food that they can eat, right? And I was just hearing, I remember talking just a second ago, they were talking about how one of the big issues is there's a bunch of moms who get pregnant in Haiti, but they have no like prenatal vitamins. Seems like a simple thing, right? You're talking about a $10 fix. And so you're seeing a bunch of moms who are losing their babies 500 miles or 700 miles away. They're losing their babies while we're sitting here yelling and screaming about politics. And don't get me wrong, I, 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 I'm, I'm, I'm apolitical, okay? I think the government is having to do stuff because the church didn't step up and do what it was supposed to. That's my real opinion, okay? So I'm apolitical. You, know, you can clap, you can't. Like, I'm not a Republican, I'm not a Democrat, none of those things. But I will tell you, I don't think abortion is a, a political issue. I think it's a death and life issue. But again, I don't, I, this isn't a platform that I want you to hear that. What I want you to hear is this. There are babies dying every day because they're not getting prenatal vitamins and we're sitting here screaming at each other, right? I mean, those are simple solutions that we get to be in the middle of. Instead of gathering and just talking about it, we get to scatter and go and do something about it. Like right now, we can save 500 kids in Haiti in the next year just by getting on prenatal vitamins. Then that seems, like, to me, that just seems, that seems simple. It's like, okay, guys, that makes perfect sense. That's the part of bringing the kingdom of heaven to earth. These folks need to hear the gospel. In order to hear the gospel, their bellies have to be fed. They can't be hungry. They can't be starving and they can't be dead. Right? And so we have to no longer just come and see. We need to go and do. And so I want the folks from, that they're going to come here and explain. But there's, there's three things I want you to hear about today. These are the three things I want you to hear that I believe you're supposed to be in the middle of. The first one is this. Um, I, I spent some time on the phone with the resource director for Chattooga County DFACS. My dad was a DFACS director. So my whole, I grew up on welfare, essentially. Like, I mean, it was just my, the culture that I grew up in. And my dad became numb to it. Like, just numb. Like, he, his heart hurt so bad for kids, eventually he just cut it off. Right, and he just became a good administrator, and the rest of it was just like as dad and as Julie and I talk about foster care. My dad is like one of the, the biggest, like, no, don't do that. It's dangerous, all this stuff. And we've had these battles. But I talked to um, the defects director in Chattanooga County, and I said exactly this, or the, the, the resource director. I said, Look, I, I appreciate what you do, but I'm sorry you have to do it, because I actually think we're supposed to. I actually believe the government had to step in because Christ Church didn't. And I want to make that right. Like, I want us to figure it out. And so she was, like she was in tears saying, I can't believe you're saying that a church wants to come alongside us. And I'm like, of course I do. Imagine this, right? We keep talking about, we got to go tell people the gospel. They got to understand the gospel. We got to do all those things, right? We got to, we got to figure all that out. We got to go tell them. We got to go tell them. It's like, do you understand that at two o'clock in the morning, folks get calls from, from the state and they say this, could you watch our kid? There's a kid who, who is in, a, in a, an emergency situation. Can you just come love on them? You mean you're going to bring someone into my home and let me care for them and pray for them and love them? You mean you're allowing that? And here I am saying, God, I don't know how to serve you. 
You mean, you're going to la- I can pray with them? I can tell them about Jesus? Absolutely. But can you also protect them? Because they have been beaten. They've been abused. They've been left in a closet or left outside or left in a home by themselves for a while. And it's like, wow, you mean, we get to be in the middle of that? I mean, we get to go and do by opening up our home that God has been so gracious to us to even have. And so we've been working with this and I was explaining, I'm like, look, whatever we need to do. And she's like, financially, we have, we have foster parents who are signed up right now, but we, we can't pay for the home studies. Like they're six to $800 and we got to get someone in there to approve the homes before we can do that. And I'm like, can we, can we help with that? We talked about a couple in our church who was doing that. And she's like, they're going to be the greatest. And if you're in here, you, you know who you are. And I want you to hear this. She, she was in tears. She's like, this is going to be the greatest foster parents that we've ever seen. Their kids are excited. They've done their homework and we believe that they're going to be awesome. But Josh, we are in a $15,000 deficit and our new, our new budget year doesn't start till July. So we have to wait till July to even do a home study. I'm like, look, where do we write the check? Because whatever we can do. And she's like, let me talk to the director. And she's crying and saying, look, I cannot believe there are people that want to help kids. And I'm like, you mean you're confused that a church wants to help kids? And it just broke my heart because I was like, no, no, that's going and doing. Let me instruct. No, no, you want, like, God, you're calling us to do that. So in some ways, let me tell you what this looks like for you. If you're in Chattooga County, it's simpler than in Floyd County because Floyd County, we just missed it. It was on May 1st. But tomorrow night at 6, at Chattooga County's defects office is an orientation. Just stop by, talk to them, meet them. And then at the end of May, there'll be a foster parent training class. I want them to be overwhelmed with Christian parents who want to love kids. You know, I battled with this for a while because we've been saying, hey, we're going to foster to adopt kind of deal. And I remember telling Julie, I can't, I can't foster without the adoption part of it because I'm, I'm an all or nothing guy. I can't give my whole heart and then it just be stomped on, right? I can't just give my whole heart and then they go back to their parents or go back into a messy situation. It would ruin me. And just in the last month, I just feel like the Lord has wrecked me saying, at what point did foster care become about you, Josh? Like at what point did it become about your heart not being hurt? Do you understand that there are thousands of hearts being hurt right now and you're too concerned about yours to even care about those things? I'm not saying this is what all of us get in the middle of. I'm just saying for us, this is a portion of who we are. We're gonna, and let me tell you how you, the next step, if you're in Chattooga County, if you're in Floyd County, you can go up there too. It's right downtown. As soon as you get downtown, take a left on Commerce right there by the, the BB&T and it's right there on your right. And you can go at six o'clock for a couple hours. It's a drop-in orientation. You don't have to dress up. You don't have to sit through a class. She just wants to meet some folks. If that's you need to be in the middle of, that's a simple step. But there's another thing you can do. You can go to wrongchild.com. That's an organization that we've just launched. And here's the deal. What we've realized is these, these children are sons and daughters of the king of this world. And they deserve protection and love and care. And some of you have incredible gifts. Some of you walked through this journey. Some of you have been molested or abused. Or some of you help counsel people through that deal. And we want to be in the middle of helping them. And easy way to do it. Go to wrongchild.com. You can click on sign up. Give us your information and we will be in touch as we, that, I'm on vacation this week, but the only thing I'm working on all week is figuring out how do we get in the middle of Tatuga, Floyd, Walker, uh, Bartow, you know, Polk, Cherokee. How do we get in the middle of these counties to go and love kids? Because they deserve for us to fight for them. So that is a portion of it. The other portion is, man, one of the things that we really realize is a lot of what happens in terms of kids happens because of addiction. So while we can't just be a band-aid to go save a kid, we need to help families and fight for families and all those things too. And so this Saturday night, starting at 7 o'clock from 7 to 9 every week in this place, we'll be launching Crave. It's a, a recovery worship service. And you can see it above my head. Um, if, you, if you struggle with addiction, I'm not talking about alcohol or, uh, or substance abuse. I'm talking about pornography, sexual addictions, eating disorders, whatever it is. We're all messy people, and we all know messy people. So it, we, there's a really a, a next step. I'm talking about here is your next step to get in the middle of this. Some of you are, have spouses are in the middle of this. This program is for you. Even if they don't want to come, you still should. Some of you have, have relatives who are in prison right now for this. Well, here's a really great opportunity for you to support them and figure that out. And some of you, you don't have any addictions. Well, great. You've got a lot more figured out than I do, and we do, so come love on us. Is really the deal. And so 7 to 9 every Saturday right here is the beginning of a, of a really cool deal starting this Saturday night. And the third thing uh, I want you to hear about is Haiti. And if, if you, um, I'm going to introduce you to some people. They're going to come up. Uh, if you don't know, Sean and Dane, both part of our church, Dane's our student pastor. Sean Blackburn has been a part of this thing, man, since the beginning of Somerville, really. I can remember as we were getting that place ready, Sean was painting the trim. And Dane and Sean are going to come up. And then um, Kent, Thomas, and Bridget... Uh, what? <laughs> what is it? I cannot believe it. I just said, look, I'm, I need to know your names because I'll forget them and I already did. But they're going to come up here. Um, and let me just tell you what we have going on. As a, as, a, as a church, we have a huge heart, as you can tell. 
but we are administratively inept. Like I'm talking about communication is not a strong suit for us. We're not good at those things. And so as we've worked through Haiti, as people are giving money, as we've sent people there, one of the big issues is how do we continue to do this? We don't want to be a Band-Aid. We want to be a cure, right? We want to be a vaccine. We want to be in the middle of it. And so, um, so uh, we've basically figured out one of the best things we can do is not have a missions committee for Haiti, but to get in the middle of an organization that's already doing things within our denomination. And so um, I just want you to hear from their hearts as we, as we finish up this part of the deal of just what what's going on in Haiti. So Dane and Sean and Thomas and Kent and Bridget, Ginger, <laughs> if y'all come up here to these seats, I'm so sorry. <laughs> here, yeah, sorry, man. I remember Thomas and I've, yeah, I know for sure. I'm sorry. So they're gonna come up here. Um, first, uh, Dane and Sean, there's a couple of microphones there. Will you just tell them what you saw? Like a couple minutes. I just tell them what you saw. They just got back. Y'all got back last Monday, right? Yeah. Uh, we got both Krista's and uh, Marianna's right here. Hello. Yeah, there you go. Um, a couple of things we saw. Um, actually, the biggest thing we saw is that we saw a lot of people with nothing. And, and I went into Haiti, and I was thinking, man, there's just going to be these people that we're just going to be feeling sorry for, you know, helping them out, but... What, what we really saw was a lot of people who, who didn't really have anything but was willing to give everything and was giving everything. And instead of me feeling sorry for them, they, they should have felt sorry for us. Um, yeah, you're talking about people who literally give away everything they have one day and can get it all back the next because it's that little. Exactly. And you're going to see some pictures that they took while they're there. Um, and it's all about, they, they, all they want to do that, is serve That's their chalkboard. Hey, I was talking. Um, all they wanted to do was service. And, uh, I mean, it was even at the point where we were taking off our shoes. And they were like, hey, no, stop. Let me take your shoes off for you. Most of us wouldn't even dare to look at somebody's feet. But they were willing to put our shoes off, take them off, and put them back on us. And I thought that was probably one of the coolest things I've ever seen. It's your turn. Uh, yeah, the, the way the people, I mean, you know, here in America, there's there's... With all the different cultures and stuff, there's definitely racism. Um, even that we don't even realize, I guess, uh, for me, it's just ingrained um, and accepted. Uh, there's, they didn't see us as white or, you know, we didn't see them as black. We just, I mean, just people loving each other um, and, and really chasing after God, you know. And uh, Kent had asked... You know, we we were telling them about things that were going on in America, political wise. Uh, you know, this the stuff that's going on with. Uh, you know, uh, I guess the bombing had happened that week, huh? Like or the week that y'all were going, the big mm-hmm. Boston bombing, all that stuff was going on here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, and um, and they, you know, they couldn't believe some of the stuff that we were telling them that was going on in the government, and uh, and Ken had asked them if. Uh, if they thought that, you know, God was, um, you know, I don't, I don't remember how, how you asked him, but well, just if, if God was alive down there and, and they said, yeah, very much so. And that Christians were, even if people weren't Christians, they were really respected in the community. And, um, we all were like, wow, you know, we're, whether we saw the, whether we saw the moral decay there that we see in our culture here was the question. And they think that they, they really see more of a respect for God than they used to a few years ago in the, that area. So, And we, of course, were shocked because we just see the opposite here. Now, y'all were able to, this time last week, you, while we are here, y'all were in a worship service, right? T- tell me about that. Like, what was that like there? Was it similar to this? I mean, what were the people's response? Because obviously, they're broke and they're poor. They have nothing. So, like, for us, we kind of come and celebrate how good God is to us, right? Like, how does that look there? God, thank you for air conditioning, you know? Um, actually, right behind us are uh, some pictures of where, uh, NVO, where we're actually going to help, um, and that's their church. It literally has no roof on it. There's some tarps up there that doesn't even cover the whole roof, and there's holes all in the side, as you can see. And you see their little speaker. That's their speaker system, the little sub and one little speaker. And it's crazy here. We're... Um, we have all of this, these nice fancy lights and 
speakers and about 12 subs under this stage and musicians out the wazoo and yeah he's wearing a tank top you'll have to yeah, see that i'm wearing a bro tank there um <laughs> hey look at my biceps as i preach it's it's i'm sorry go ahead go ahead go ahead i, I was trying to yeah, there, i would i did wear a picture anyway that's beside the point um but what i i saw even though they didn't have all that and even if they weren't the best singers they were just ready to shout out to god and just praise him, not not for 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 them, but but for what he's doing in Haiti, what he's doing in their lives, and, and they're so excited. There was one guy who it, it's probably worse than Josh at singing, but man, it didn't even matter just because. Really? Yeah, really. Um, but it didn't matter because he was so happy with what was God was doing in his life that he just wanted to sing to him, yeah. and that was a, that was awesome. Yeah, there was a. Uh... You know, when we got there, they, they'd already been worshiping for an hour or so, I think, when, when we got there. Um, mm-hmm. and Y'all hear that? Yeah, yeah. Quit looking at your watch right now and listen to Sean. Mm-hmm. See them? And, and Dane looks at me and he's like, uh, is this Connect in VO? Like they, I mean, you know, they're one speaker hooked up to a generator and they're just blasting it out as loud as they can. It doesn't matter what it sounds like. They're just getting it out there. So... The people that can't make it uh, because they're working in their field or taking care of the kids at home can hear it in the community. And, uh, and then, you know, we went on and we worshiped for an hour and a half after we got there before we even got into the message. Um, and, uh, you know, and it, it was just amazing. You know, everybody, everybody sang. They don't, they don't have fancy screens and they don't, have, they don't even have hymnals or music, but they... You know, they all worship with their hearts, um, and, uh, you know, it, it brought me to tears several times just to see how they really love God, and then when they pray, they they pray to God, and they thank God for being God, not for what He's done for them or or anything, you know, it, it was really moving. Um, uh, Anel, uh, the pastor in Mbeke, you know, when when he prays, he commands God to act. And, you know, a lot of times we say, oh, God, please, you know, if I do this or I do that. But but he he's not afraid to go boldly before the throne and uh, command God. Biggest takeaway from each, for each of you? Um, they're definitely hurting. They've been lied to. Um, and they're gun shy. Um, you know, they, they see some white people there and they're you know some of them are some of them are very very welcoming and are, are glad we're there but others are like you know you kind of get the feeling like oh, these guys are here to make them feel good about themselves yeah. um, and so um, we really need to uh, show them that we're there to love on them for the long haul and um, and like we've talked about is uh is not being a band-aid, helping find, find a way for them to sustain themselves because um, they just have nothing and they're so far. The, the land that they're in has been raped from, uh, you know, uh, American industries going down there, getting their natural resources and stuff like that. So, um, but, but they really are a loving people and they, they really care for each other and for people they don't even know. Um, it, um, and they really love God. So, uh, you know, we just need to figure out a way that that we can we can help them out. Yeah. Dane P. Um, for for me, I guess the takeaway is not so much uh, bringing stuff there, but bringing here to be willing to serve and to run after God's heart the way they are. Yeah, it's interesting because I mean, one of the pushes we're about to do, and I'm going to have I can't and these guys share this part with you is, man, we really want you to get on the ground over there. It's less expensive than you realize. We have I uh, shared with you last week. We actually have a house over there in terms of accommodations that so it allows us to get there pretty often and pretty regularly. And the next major trip we're doing is J- June 17th through 24th. So it's a it's a pretty lengthy trip. But as much as we want you to get over there so you can serve them and love them, we actually think it's so important for us to get over there because it will change us. Like, it will change our perspective. There's just something weird that happens when you step back off a plane after being in a place that has nothing and you just 
realize that God really is enough. Like God is enough. Everything else that, man, wow, it's great, really at times becomes a distraction to what really is important. And so um, uh, what, what we have going on there is we actually, there's, there's three different schools and three different churches. Um, uh, 13 for Haiti is going to be, for us, that's who we're sending all of our resources through. What, what Sean said is they've been lied to. Uh, we have shared some of this from stage, but very little. Um, for the last couple of years, several years, we've been investing pretty heavily in Haiti. Um, and one of the gentlemen who was responsible for distributing those funds um, was not distributing them. I mean, was was um, was stealing them. Was stealing. In fact, this this property that you just saw where the church is belongs to him now. Like it's in his name. That that's the deal. So we're trying to figure out how to get a new property and a new church. I mean, it's a messy deal, and it's it's frustrating because I love Jesus, but I got a lot of flesh in my heart that just wants to choke choking really I mean that's just I mean like I want to go over there and, and fight which is I want to bring my redneck over there which ain't much but I told you I got a crazy brain I ain't got many skills but I got a crazy brain which is about all you need in a fight um, and so that's what I want to do right but in all that um, there, there, there are several there are three different places that we're focusing on but our church is focusing specifically on a place called Vio which is a, you know, a couple hour a four hour drive or so from Port-au-Prince beautiful little area and I, I can't if you guys can just talk about what what really we can do down there and if you guys can kind of share a little bit about 13 for haiti uh that would be awesome so uh we're just so happy to be able to be here with you and that you guys are are willing to open your hearts and partner with us and these two guys uh, really saw a lot i think while we were there together working on a house we partnered together um to have a permanent mission house so that when your teams go in um, they've got a place to stay. They've got beds. They've got a, a, a good place to to have to, to be able to rest and to, uh, to drive the ministry from. Hammocks. Yeah, hammocks outside when you freeze. <laughs> he came in whining like a little girl. Um, I'm sorry, that was Dane. <laughs> hey, they wouldn't laugh at that. They're like, oh yeah, that's Dane. <laughs> but uh, how you guys? can really help in Vio. Uh, as he said, they are a little gun shy, I guess, out of all the schools that we went down as you guys uh, caught them up with, uh, with teacher's pay. They were probably the l- most jaded the first time that I went down and paid them. Um, a couple of them quit, have no um, problems with that simply because of what they had endured over the last year or so. But they're really coming back together. They're excited about what's going on, excited about beating, meeting you guys as you come down. But they need a building because what, the, what he was talking about, the building is attached both to the school and the church, and they've come in and taken the roof off, and so they have no roof. But having that built and be able to sustain their own place, um, we, we identified a pastor that would I think will step in and, and really do a great job there. Um, they have some good leadership but um, another place that, that we believe, I, I want to kind of slide aside to kind of hit what he talked about earlier here as you're doing it with the children. One of the things in our heart, long term, that we can all go together and do is a children's home. Yeah. Um, there's a form of slavery there that we can't really conceive. When a family has children, has maybe two, three, four, they can't feed them. They have no way. So they'll identify a family that in their perception can, and they just say, here, take them. So they'll pass that child along to another family, and it's goodbye. Well, that child comes in, maybe at 10, 11 years old, 9, 10, 11. They're suddenly essentially a slave. They maybe get sent to school, probably not. They only get fed if there's leftover food, and they take care of the house and the children. That's the kind of slavery we would love to be able to alleviate there with the children's home, in addition to orphans too, but that's not as big as, as you hear, but that, those kind of opportunities. Thomas, you want to share? A uh, couple, couple things that I, I believe would be really huge uh, as far as what y'all could do is we have a reservoir, and there's a picture on there. I saw it uh-huh. during the thing. And uh, all it basically is from what you would see in the picture is just a, a concrete hole. Is that it? That's it. That's it. Uh, and all this really needs is to be patched up with some concrete. And then that right there alone, uh, through rainwater, 
will be able to supply, supply water to around 2,000 Haitians. Wow. And right now, the people in this area, in your area, yeah. are walking two, three miles one way just to get some drinking water. Uh, and so for maybe 5,000, is that right? Yeah. right? If you I mean, want to do everything, it's five to six. But just to patch the inside with um, pool-grade type of concrete, maybe three to $4,000. Three or $4,000, and you guys could go down there and help, uh, and you'd be able to give drinking water to about 2,000 Haitians on a daily basis. Um, so I feel like this is something that we've seen. Uh, me and Ginger have been, I think, four or five times now, and we saw this on our first trip, and it still hasn't been accomplished so it's been a big thing on my heart is to see this right here get done. Um, I think this is just as important as the church and school building. Because people, if people can't have water, they can't survive, and they're not going to be able to walk to the Absolutely. church building. Yeah. So to me, you know, this is giving... When does uh, rain... Like, I know that it's a rainy season's about to hit. Right. Like, is it, it, it's, it's already started. It's already started. Yeah. We were down there in March, and uh, it was the beginning of the rainy season. And it'll be that way through September, October, is that right? Well, during the summer, it lightens up some, but then okay. back in the fall, it comes okay. back. But yeah, so it would have been, you know, really good to get it yeah. done, but, you know, for the future, um, I really, it's on my heart uh, for Absolutely. you guys, especially yeah. if you're taking over this role here in view. Uh-huh. Um, I think that would be a great project if any of you are in construction, even if you're not. Going to Haiti, you know, like you were talking about earlier, Philip and Nathaniel, yeah. you know, in the Bible, he said, just come and see. Yeah. You know, uh, a good friend of mine is actually his name Nathan. Uh-huh. When I came back on my first trip, I was telling him all about Haiti, and he said, "Yeah, I understand." I was like, "No, yeah. you really don't." Yeah. You know, talking about the roads and and all that, and it's like, you do, you know, you might say, "Yeah, I understand," but unless you've been there, you don't understand yeah. the poverty levels. And I was telling you up, you know, before we met, uh, you know, this where you're going to be in view wasn't affected by the earthquake, so the Band-Aid effect. Really, you know, you're not going to have that, especially being there for a while. Yeah. These are people who have been in poverty before the earthquake. You know, the earthquake didn't affect them. So we're dealing with people that have been this way for a long time. One of the big things about um, that reservoir project, when he says people walk two to three miles, the people that walk that two to three miles are eight-year-olds, not their mamas that go. It's they get gallon jugs after school, and you see five to 10-year-old kids walking three miles one way to go get water for their family because the mama has to stay home and take care of her kids. Mm-hmm. So it's not mom, it's dad, it's not dad. They, they have responsibilities. So it's the responsibility of the eight-year-olds to go out and get the water for their family. So they're lugging it and yeah. taking it. So that's, that's one of the big things that I yeah. see that's just sad to um, me. Well, you also talk about uh, the, the, the Bible school approach that you are doing in June and how we could potentially do that in this area yes. as well. Um, in June, we're going down um, and basically partner with you guys. We will do two Bible schools. We're going to do one in Becke, which is where we kind of, kind of our hub, I guess you could call it. Um, and then one in Vio. And we've already got it put together kind of where we have crafts and we have, um, we're going to have like a three-day Bible camp, basically. And so we'll have a Bible lesson, music, and crafts all at each location. And then we'll also have games as well. So we'll split teams up and do that kind of thing. Um, And so what you guys can do, though, is we kind of have it all planned. So you don't have to replan the whole Bible school. But we do need materials for that kind of stuff. So crafts and that kind of thing, we can... um, get you guys the information that way that you can start getting together the materials for what we're going to go do and take them we'll essentially just pack them in our bags and take them with us because stuff like pipe cleaners and paper bags just small things that we basically have around here that's real cheap yeah you know what uh, the the plan is uh, in just a second we're gonna gonna sing one more song and and finish up this deal but um i I don't know what this looks like for you i know that i'm 100 confident that our resources and our time and our energy and our prayers are, are, are meant to change this world. And I know that our church specifically has been called to this area in Haiti. Known it for several years. And, uh, man, it's actually a pretty cool blessing because you're talking about a fairly cheap airfare. You're having an opportunity to go down there and doing some really incredible Let, things. Can, and, I, can I interject yeah. real quick about the airfare? Uh-huh. I can tell you how cheap it is. All week, I've been wanting to go to my best friend's house in Arkansas. 
who wants to go to Arkansas. I mean, not me, really. But yeah. she lives there, so that's where I'm going. Um, I've been looking for airfare for Arkansas. $1,100, $1,200 is what I found. Wow. To go to Haiti, it's less than six. Yes, I mean, it is it's some really cool opportunities in a, in a beautiful area. In my, my opinion, it just makes sense that we start vacationing there. What I mean by that is we go down for seven days, take a couple of days to see some beautiful sights, and then serve well. If you're going to pay for airfare to go on vacation anyway, why not teach your children to, 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 to chase after the Lord in the middle of it? And so uh, the, uh, all that stuff that we want you to be a part of, whether or not it's being a part of uh, the, the mission trip in, in June, whether it's creating care packages, like I told you earlier about pre natal vitamins. Sean's been uh, chatting with some folks in Chattanooga about the possibility of creating some, some packages. Um, there, there's a lot we can do. Uh, pray, uh, and again, I, I don't want to be too unspiritual here, but I'm kind of tired of us just praying. Uh, Billy Graham says, don't pray about something if you're not willing to be a part of the solution. And I think we need to be a part of the solution. And so uh, with that being said, uh, they're going to be down front here. Um, they'll be able to answer any questions from shots to vaccines. I don't have a clue. Like, again, we are terrible at administrative stuff. So it just makes sense that we find someone who's chasing after the kingdom well and saying, how do we help hold your arms up and how do we get in the middle of this? Some of you, here's what I believe. I think some of you will end up living there. I really do. I think some of you will end up living in Haiti. I think some of you will be in the middle of planning churches and schools there for the rest of your life. And I believe our church and this organization is supposed to be a part of going and doing and instructing people over there. So you heard it, whether or not it's cement work, if it's building a a church in school. What we're talking about in terms of a church would be about this size all the way back to the back wall. It'd be you know about 40 by 40, about that size, pouring concrete, putting on a ceiling, doing all that stuff, and making it possible for it to be an open, large room for church, and then also divide it out for classrooms, six classrooms, some resource room, those kind of things. And we're looking at somewhere between 10 and 15, is that as a guess? And so you're talking about, I mean, and that's a lot of money, but you understand, you're talking about a, a church this size, or this classrooms that are going to be used every day of the week for about ten to $15,000 that we want to raise and make sure that happens. And so, um, my, or not my opinion, uh, man, my hope is that you guys would consider getting in the middle of these things. So here they are again. Tomorrow night, 6 p.m., you can get right in the middle of foster care right now or, or those kind of things. You can follow wrongchild.com. This Saturday at 7 p.m. right here will be a recovery program. Um, and then uh, you'll get, get more information right this second. Be about 10, like as soon as the service is over to find out a little bit more about Haiti. And we'll continue to give you more information. What is the website for 13 for Haiti? 13forhaiti.org. One, three... And then F-O-R Haiti. Okay, 13 F-O-R Haiti. 13 for Haiti. 13 for Haiti. I just made that more complicated. 13 for Haiti dot org. You can go there and you can kind of see some things they've already been working on and some information. And so is that y'all can be down front there. Yeah, there. We, have, we have brochures too. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, if as we move money that way, we're going through those guys again. Here's the deal. We have zero de- desire to stand up and say, we gave X number of dollars. It's just not the heart of this place. Our heart is to, to go and bring the kingdom of heaven to earth. And so we want to make it as simple as possible for us to get right in the middle of that deal. And um, anything else that you guys want to share real quick before? And uh, hey, the band, you guys can come back up and finish us out with the church, uh, if you would. And uh, Huh? Yeah, right here in front, to my right, your left. Or their right, your left. Uh, just one other thing was, you know, I think, I think Dane and I both felt like everywhere we went, only thing we could say is, wow, like the, the beauty of the country. You know, I was not expecting that. I was expecting, you know, some, you know some, and some of the, the earthquake hit places are, are, you know, still in a lot of rubble, but um, where the area that we're caring for it's in the mountains and uh, i mean there's just so much beauty there that um you know everywhere we went uh it it was really beautiful so like josh said i mean it makes sense to me to to actually be able to vacation there and and do mission work at the same time you know if you've got your family takes a year off a week off a year or something like that i mean it would be a really great location for that they they know how to feed you I, you know, I feel like such a hypocrite in this deal because I keep telling you, well, you got to get down there. And I'm like, man, I, more than I need to get down there. Like, I need to come and see so bad because I'm like, ah, like I so want to be in the middle of those deals. And I understand that we're busy folks. 
but I couldn't imagine a more valuable deal than to go and see where God is doing some incredible things in your energy and your resources. Because you give, we were able to catch up teachers where we pay $100 a month through this time. They haven't been paid in forever. Because you, you'll give, we'll be able to sustain and support a church. So it just makes sense that you go and see that with your own eyes and, and get in the middle of that. And so... Um, I, I just think that that would make the most sense. And so we're going to sing a song called The Church. And if you would just stand with me. Thank you, guys. And then they'll be down front. Are we supposed to clap? Is that what we do here? There you go. We'll clap for you. <laughs> thanks, for your, thanks for your patience as we, as we finish up this deal. But this, just, um, this song just makes perfect sense for, for where we are. At some point, we had to move past the emotion of we should do something. Like I said last week, we need to stop praying and asking God if we should do something. The answer is yes, we should do something. The question is when, and well, even that's not really a question, it's now. And so the real question is where. And so these are some places that we've just kind of identified that we think are supposed to be a part of the deal. And so we're going to pray. And then um, we're going to sing, and we'll be out of here in just a few minutes. So would you just pray with me? We're going to pray specifically for these causes. Uh, Jesus, Lord, I am... God, as I, as I, I even look at the, the, that little subwoofer and a speaker and see what the king, how the kingdom is happening there, God, there's a part of me that is so excited. And yet a part of me that just has this icky feeling in my soul of thinking, God, I don't, I don't want to waste another moment or another day sitting here being consumed with our lives and our preferences and our desires and our comfort, Lord. God, as we sit here and pray right now, not too far from us are people who are starving and hungry and babies are being lost and babies are being abused. And God, I just, I want to be a part of doing something about it. I actually believe you're calling these folks to change this world. And God, I I just, I really want us to do something about it. Um, God, I really do believe, like the song we're about to sing is exactly what my heart is saying. Like, God, now really is the time for us to rise. Like, and carry hope to hopeless lives. God, would that be the case? Would we no longer just say, come and see, God, but would we go and do? Like, would we actually go be your hands and feet to this world? Jesus, you prayed it. You prayed that your Father's kingdom in heaven would be the same here on earth. And so help us do that. So God, would you help us? Would you help us move forward? God, would you give us the, not, not, not wisdom and clarity, God, we know we're supposed to serve you, but would you give us the courage to actually do it? And I pray these things in your name, Jesus. Amen.